Okay. Uh, Ross, next, thank you so much for joining me on the first edition of the sort of vague olive tree podcast as opposed to just a, a sermon uploaded. Uh, Ross, we've been threatening to do this for so long, um, it was at risk of turning into just like a Durban invite. Um, yeah, 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 we should totally, and we haven't. Um, so thank you for joining me on this conversation. How are you feeling today? Are you in good spirits? Uh, I am an average spirit, mm-hmm. which is to say I'm tired mm-hmm. and stressed and and a little bit emotional, so there's a good chance if we're talking about my children that I might start crying. <laughs> so that sounds very run-of-the-mill for you, yeah, actually. That's, that's pretty, pretty normal, normal. yeah. <laughs> okay. Next, we talk about parenting often yeah. uh, and adulting, and you are one of the most refreshingly honest and yet sort of sneaky, inspiring people I know on this topic. How are you feeling about podcasting about this today? I'm excited. I've um, started a new multivitamin, which is sadly a highlight of my day. So <laughs> I've got big hopes for this day. What an insight. <laughs> Life goes well, depending on the quality of multivitamin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the chat is about adulting in general and specifically the dark art of parenting uh, and we're all parents of varying levels of experience and um, legitimacy and, and that's just not at all what we are. We're very legitimate parents. No one's got any questions. <laughs> I was shaking that. my head because I don't think there are any legitimate parents. <laughs> There's that as well. Um, but so the, the first question um, that uh, I'm interested to hear is what we could debunk if, um, if there was something that 20-somethings have most wrong about what this phase of life is like. Um, what would we, you just love to set them straight on? Um, so, yeah, if I had to think back on my 20s, I would say, like, you're an adult, but you're not a real adult. Um, so I've learned a lot that relationships are very important and require a lot more work than I thought a 20-year-old mm-hmm. um, me would have understood. So, yeah. Yeah. 20-year-olds are quite consumeristic with relationships. Yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely. I think I would like to try to just debunk the idea that I knew anything mm. at all. <laughs> like, because there's never been a more confident, no, all knowing time in my life than in mm. my early 20s when I sort of had some knowledge but had nowhere to apply the knowledge and then find out that the knowledge doesn't really apply. So, like, in general, just the idea that you there are fixed and certain ways of doing things, particularly stuff like parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, like there's no, there's no general, like there's general guidelines and good and better ways to do things, but there aren't like, there's no like a handbook of just do this and you'll get that outcome mm-hmm. in life in general mm-hmm. and particularly in parenting. Yeah, I remember um, as a 20-something, I worked with kids a fair amount in my job, and I was convinced I was going to be an amazing dad. Like, <laughs> with all the humility in the world, I was just looking at dads going, like, I'm going to kick your asses. Like, <laughs> my kids are going to like me so much more than any kid I've ever seen like their dad. Um, and I've now discovered that wanting kids to like you is one of the most damaging traits in a parent. Like, the last thing you should want is for your kids to like you. Mm. Um, you could be up for them loving you, but... Yeah, the parents that try to be friends with their kids are some of the worst parents I've seen. Yeah. Um, and so I remember that. I remember thinking, like, the kids are just going to like me. They think I'm so cool. They think I'm so great. My kids are going to think the same. Um, and I was expecting that I was going to just want to have sex all the time when I got married. And I was expecting that I was going to, like, be interesting and cool all the time. And now I drive a Volvo station wagon and I enjoy Hallmark TV series. Um, and I'm not even sorry about that. And... Um, that is shameful. <laughs> I, I, like, when did we become against wish fulfillment? Like, 
I don't know, just the more I live and laugh, the more <laughs> it's a bad message. We need the but we need all more people. Anyway, um, so I've ended up quite different from the person I thought I'd be. I spent a lot more time in a sleeping gown, or dressing gown, I should say, than I ever thought I would. Um, what are some of the things that, t- that sort of past you would be most surprised at in current you? What are the things that have changed most in who you are and what you like and love and hate? Um, so, I, yeah, I have become quite resistant to technological updates and upgrades. Mm-hmm. So I resist the new phone as long as I can, purely because the amount of time it takes to understand the new phone is not worth the time. And we used to judge those yeah, old geezers that couldn't keep up. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we are there. Um, and I also enjoy watering, staring blindly at lawn while I water grass. <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly new. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's changed most in who you... Are you the same? Did you, were, you uh, born, you were born uh, middle-aged, I, I suspect. I'm trying to think. It's like, it's like I've only increased in degrees. Like, I was kind of grumpy and didn't want to be around people that much and that kind of thing. And now that has just been exacerbated. So, so I'm largely the same. I think what's surprising is, like, I didn't expect to want to drink this much alcohol as I do. <laughs> And mm. so that's a bigger temptation than I ever expected it to be, and I'm, mm. I have to resist that quite quite hard. And and the, I just I, there's nothing that could have prepared me for the amount of like emotional demand and assault that life would bring. And mm. and so, like I guess having to adapt to that and learn how to how to deal with that type of stuff. Yeah, it's a real assault. thing. And I think that's the harder part of adulting that the younger adults. Our versions of ourselves didn't really expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to think um, discipline would be really easy. I mean, listen to what a legend I was. I thought my kids would like me more than anyone else on earth and that I would discipline them really successfully. Um, what an idiot. But the, um, the thing I remember, the line from my mom was always, um, if there's some behavior you don't like, then just don't accept it. You'll only ever get what you accept. And I was like, yeah, the logic adds up. Yes. That's great. Yes. Um, turns out accepting is so much easier than resisting and fighting. Uh, and the amount of discipline it takes as an adult to have any hope of producing any discipline in anyone else. Like, you have to be so hugely self-disciplined. Yeah. I just didn't see that coming. I thought you could just like give consequences and inflict things and throw out punishment and um, lob out carrots and sticks and be fine. But controlling myself, mm. like I had no idea how self-disciplined you needed to be to have any hope of disciplining anybody else at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's, that's, you've got to, like, there's such a high degree of taking responsibility for your own internal state because mm. you have, like, these little humans who, who legitimately can't take control of their own emotional state. And then they sort of like reflect back to you that like when they're having a tantrum or they're sulking or they're whining, I'm going like, actually, I'm doing versions of that same thing. That's beautiful. Um, and so like having to learn, like it's okay for them to do it. It's not okay for me to do it. And I come home and I can so easily make them live with the consequences of my day mm. uh, unless I take full ownership of how I'm mm. going to like feel or at least how when I'm with them so like I can I never I never could have imagined that like my little boy could graze his knee and I could not respond with compassion Mm. like I didn't think that was a possibility like surely I'd just be overwhelmed with love and it would be so easy because you'd love them so much and then like legitimately if I've had a really hard day or I haven't slept a lot and all these like very practical natural physical things can affect your internal state and then like he falls down and grazes his knee and I'm like 
okay boy pull yourself together let's yeah. go come on be brave yeah. and like I'm so not emotionally available for him which I didn't think would ever be a possibility yeah. um, because I'm I thought that surely when you put this little human in your life, you're only going to ever feel this overwhelming love, this overwhelming compassion. Mm. Um, and it turns out there are other feelings that you have towards your kids, and they're not all <laughs> loving and compassion. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> very horrifying when you discover them. You know, everyone talks about how, um, I suppose particularly blokes like to talk about when they have a kid, you're suddenly going to feel what the father feels like and have this epic connection with God because you've got something in common. And I don't know if I'm the exception to the rule, but for the first six months or so, I was just more and more convinced I'm very different from God. <laughs> I didn't end up with Katie like, oh, me and God, we're the same. We both have kids now. And now I get what that's like. I'm like, oh, holy smokes. Like, I am so different from God. And all those evil parents that I used to be scandalized by or be confused by or be like, how can you treat your kid cruelly? Or how can... And it all suddenly came... Yeah. crashing home that I'm totally capable of the same stuff Yeah. so I think that's definitely the biggest lesson for me in parenting has been highlighting how much work my character needs more than marriage, more than anything else yeah. it Just, sounds so great like all this character work and, and yeah. you had four I at did. what point um, did you I had them very close so actually it was just it was, a blur yeah, and I didn't think it through we were still yeah, we were still like it's easy I can change a nappy I can feed you you're alive okay, put you in a place and you stay there for a little while so yeah. okay. Um, okay so then talk about some of that character stuff mm-hmm. that's had to change if we can be specific about mm-hmm. and, and this shouldn't just demotivate people from wanting to have kids although a little bit of that would probably help. <laughs> in some sort of, you know, if the yeah. SPCA goes and does home checks before they allow you to take a puppy <laughs> home. Um, but anyway, talk about some of the deep stuff that has had to change that you're celebrating. Yeah, so I think for me, the biggest thing I've had to let go of is control. Um, and that was something that early on, I think we spoke about this. Everyone can parent children except the people that actually have kids. Mm. Um, is that you realize you cannot control this tiny human who has their own ideas about how they want to live their life. Um, so for me, the big character change has been moving from somebody who controls to somebody who influences um, and coaches instead of dictates. Um, I had to drop some expectations that I'm the parent and what I say goes and expect everyone to comply with that purely on instruction. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, so just figuring out that kids are super smart. They're a lot smarter than I ever realized they were. Um, and they only buy into authentic authentic love actually at the end of the day so if you model something that's great and healthy they'll be on board but otherwise they can see through you very quickly so they're all millennials yeah <laughs> <clears throat> dreadful um, can you give some and if you don't have one to hand that's okay but like a specific example of a place where you had to put down trying to control and did some coaching or some kind of authentic influencing um, yeah so I guess uh, yeah, so I've got one child in particular who um, is an enigma to me, um, and he's just a force of nature. And I have spent my whole life trying to control him to the point of don't break everything you touch. Mm. And, um, you know, if we're in someone's home, reasonable instruction. can you just sit in the car while we visit people and all that sort of stuff? Um, and just figuring out how to influence him in a way that shows him the value of self-control is exactly like you say, it's that discipline thing I had to recognize that in myself I'm not a very disciplined person Um, so figuring that out for myself and showing him the value of that um, has helped somewhat I wouldn't say it's cured him 
Um, but he's certainly seen the value of yeah, mm. reining things in for the sake of other people's emotional yeah. health. <laughs> he, seems to, he seems to at least want to want to control himself, which is a great... He's trying. <laughs> yeah. He's hilarious. Um, Roscoe, have you got some examples of stuff that's had to change things inside you that have had to grow? Like kicking and screaming, maybe. So much, but it's hard to, to, <laughs> to think. So I, mean, I think what Nick's is touching on is, like, certainly the control, but I think for me it was the identifying in myself that I had this desire to control, which mm. I didn't think I had. Yeah. Um, and, like, how my default setting, particularly in tired space, where it was to try and control... I remember one particular moment, like early on, only one child with my precious little girl who's like so gentle and sweet and she wasn't being compliant. She was still very young. And I suddenly felt in me this thing arising to try and intimidate her. Mm. And I never imagined that I would be the kind of man who would intimidate like a two or three-year-old little girl. Um, And so like that that was... um, and going, okay, whoa, what is that mm. in me that's like so needs to feel like I'm in control here and got everything and have everyone be compliant to me in my little kingdom of my home mm. um, that, that I was willing to go there, you know? And yeah. so seeing that stuff come out of me was very, very revealing. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, there's some moments I can think of that I'm just like. I'm about to hit my kid, like, <laughs> and not like spank, you know, like, you know, yeah. I have a clenched fist, and this person's only got a head the size of my fist. What am I planning to do with this? Oh, crumbs. Um, the other thing I've discovered is that the degree of hypocrisy mm. I allowed to go on inside myself. Mm. Um, we were chatting yesterday about the space between what you will accept for yourself and what you will accept for your kid. And how, for most parents, that space is actually quite large, yes. both in the positive and the negative. So, I mean, in my line of work, I'm really stoked that all these people who don't like church still feel like they have to send their kids to Sunday school. Long may that hypocrisy continue. Um, but it's also interesting, you know, like really happy to scoff a chocolate and be like, mm. no sugar will ever pass your lips, and all these yeah. sort of interesting things where. Um, we're prepared to say one thing's good enough for me but not good enough for you or there's only certain things that are good enough for you little person you have to be absolutely perfect in all these ways Mm. but I'm allowed to um, lower the standards for myself it's interesting yeah we Um, often scream at the kids to stop screaming yeah Yeah. that that hypocrisy yeah Yeah. we uh, (laughs) we don't scream in this (laughs) (laughs) we Grace and David play like mommy daddy game, like they're yeah. replicating home. And one Saturday morning, I was like listening to Grace say the things that I say to David, um. like, but like with a nasty tone and whatever. And it was like yeah. this little live action replay of what I do. He's like, make it stop. Like, and like, it started off with like, Grace, we don't speak like that. And you're like, oh, wait, you're using my words. We really do speak like that. And like that afternoon, Saturday, I'm like, maybe we should change the way oh, we speak to our kids. That's terrible. Um, yeah, so there is definitely. And there's like, it comes back to like the, we, we make excuses because we've got a context for the way we speak. Mm. So we go, well, I've had a hard day or mm. I'm under all this demand or I've got to try and control this family or lead this family or I've got to get these kids bathed and in bed. Mm. Like, so you have reasons. But like, they've also got reasons. Like, mm. they've got their own little reasons. And it just comes back to um, that sense of, of like, actually, I'm behaving like a toddler. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the one who's behaving like a child. 
yeah. and I've got to take better responsibility for my actions. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, I said earlier that I don't think parents should have the goal of trying to be friends with their kids um, or, or sort of chummy and liked by their kids. But on the other hand, I suppose it's kind of contradictory. I'm fairly convinced that parents should see their kids as their future peers. Yes. Like, like, I'm going to one day have a conversation with an adult version of my David uh, and we, I want us to be able to sort of mm. dissect the way I served him when he was little mm. and needed me to. Um, and in that conversation, I want him to be able to like, thank me and say, hey, thanks, you, you stewarded that moment for me quite well. Um, and like, you know, every parent is busy setting their kids up for counselling in some way or other, but like, at least if I can minimise that to some extent. You know? yeah. um, because like, I'm not child poor. I think back to child Paul and I'm just so grateful that the adults who were there around the time mm. did some things right, you know, uh, and now we get to speak like peers about how they treated child Paul and that's often interesting, like, okay, so if I was going to end up having a conversation with an adult version of this person, would they thank me for the way I'm dealing with their, mm. their weakness right now, yeah. which is intimidating, I suppose. <laughs> To go back to light-hearted snap judgments, if you could, <laughs> if you could walk into the house, yeah, we, we, that's where we'd like to play. Walk into the home of some young people um, who are busy having that conversation with one another. You'd be a great mom, or you'd be such a great dad, or we should definitely have kids. Um, what are the sort of telltale, well, if you have a deep pile rug like that, and that beautiful sort of, I don't know, like what are the, sig- <laughs> the signals where you're like, we need to sort that out, otherwise you're not allowed to have kids. If you were the SPCA doing home visits. I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, I have that interaction with people that are like, yeah. they're young married and they're talking and like, I've, I've stopped trying to tell them yeah. anything. I've just started going like, sitting back and rubbing my hands together and going, this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with some of my close family members. <laughs> so it's going to be magnificent to watch. Um, but like, I guess the thing that I would generally say is just like, don't try to Thank you. Like, don't even try to figure it out ahead of the time. Just be relaxed and adaptable. Like, that's basically going to be what's going to hold you in, in good stead as you go forward. Like, be adaptable, be willing to learn as you go, because there's nothing that can prepare you for what you're going to go into. Like, there really isn't. I mean, yeah. I feel like I was pretty well prepared for parenting, and then I had amazing parents. And I was raised in a very healthy environment with church and mm. had good examples. But there's really nothing that... Could, so just, like, the key thing is to don't try to figure it out. Like, if you're coming into this thing with preconceived ideas, that's what's going to hurt you because those ideas are going to get broken over time. Yeah. And that's the painful thing. It's like, oh, I thought it would be like this, and it didn't live up to my expectations. If you can just, like, take it as it comes, learn. Mm. That's the best thing. Yeah, it is a... It is a very dangerous thing pre having kids to have any really strong opinions about how people ought to have kids. Yeah. You know, it's like exactly. you're going to almost certainly end up being the very thing you vilify if you're not careful. Yeah, it would be great if everybody had to like wrote out what they thought mm. they would be yeah. and then they can go back and just as a humbling exercise just for mm. life, just go Okay, I'm not that yeah. smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I laugh at people that buy white furniture mm. ahead of kids. Yes. I feel that pain for them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so friends often ask kind of, you know, what's your advice and, and how, how good do you think you need to be prepared? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Ross was saying, there's no preparation. I, I deliberately chose not to read a single parenting book. 
Um, and I feel like I've been better for it. It's probably true. <laughs> There's just no benchmark that I'm in. As we for. sit here trying to pitch a parenting course to people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, those are relational tools. Yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I often say to them, if you can convince a cat to voluntarily take a bath and then eat a bowl of spinach, like if you can nail that, you'll be amazing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's room to grow. Um, okay, so this is a simple question. Um, what do kids need most? <laughs> I want simple about that. Yeah. Um, I think as a mom, you meet more needs. So I think you should. Uh, yeah, like go, go now. Answer the question okay. and we will hold you to it forever. This is absolutely going to be a great answer. Uh, okay, so the longer I've mothered, the clearer the picture has become of kids kind of in a boxing ring with you in the corner. Um, and I've realized that a lot of the time it's not the fight between you and them, but more about the thing that they face, whether it's balancing on two legs or potty training or figuring out how to make friends. There's always this opponent that they face. Um, and I, I've, I've just come to accept that the stronger presence I can be in their corner with you know, the tile to wipe the sweats and the water and the medic if, if needed, um, yeah, the better that they do. Uh, so I've kind of taken that approach in terms of meeting their needs. Even if they get beaten by the opponent? Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's lessons wow. in that. That's amazing. Um, but yeah. That is amazing because for me the image of parenting is okay you just stay here for a moment because that thing looks scary and I'm going to go and write that email and Paul, call that kid that's where I started it's like it's a shifting image yeah. where I've realised actually I can't be in the ring for them yeah. a lot of the time so that's amazing yeah so kids need uh, what is the right word for a bo- like, is that a coach yeah a boxing coach yeah, yeah. coach they just they need they need to know that there's someone in their corner waiting for them whatever fight they come out of, whatever challenge they're facing. Mm. Coach, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me that you didn't say the ref or umpire or whatever they call them in boxing because I think many parents want to just fight their kids' battles for them. Um, other parents think, okay, well, I won't be that enabling. But then as soon as it looks like it's going a bit unfair, then mm. they're like, all right, I'm in. But the idea that, hey, it may well not be fair, it may be deeply unfair yeah. and corrupt this world is, but I'm still going to hang back and just control yeah. myself and help you to control yourself that's yeah. huge yeah, yeah I think I've, got, yeah, I've got a similar <laughs> paradigm um, but basically I have two things that I try to give my kids the one is just let them know unconditionally that I'm in their corner that I'm on their side like I'm behind you I'm mm. for you you're like I just try to drive in that I love you mm. and I'm always on your side and then at the same time I have these very clear expectations for you like that's my personal mm. parenting paradigm and mm. I think it's maybe not necessarily the one of the moment but I, I'm just I want to let them be know exactly what I expect of them and I'll communicate that in the context of but I'm for you if you yeah. never live up to that I'm for you I love you that's never going to change yeah. but I want you to know my boy my girl this is what I expect of you and like we call those boundaries or whatever but I, in my world it's expectations mm. I'm like this is the behaviour I expect this is the respect I expect. Mm. This is how I expect you to speak. Mm. This is how I expect you to behave when we visit someone else's house. Um, but and the, it's the one that don't that don't, you don't hold those in balance. You do both things completely, mm. like without watering down yeah. either of them. Yeah. yeah, and amazing to be able to hold those expectations or targets for them to hit in a way that doesn't then create a controlling dynamic, mm. but is a 
I'm inviting you to, yeah. into this and we're going to discuss why this should be important to you as well or, or those sorts yeah. of things. I, um, I got to a similar thing um, preparing for the Father's Day preach and looking at how um, you know, Jesus starts with this epic affirmation from his dad before he's done a single impressive thing, certainly in the timeline of his time on earth. And um, yeah, this is my son, love you, well pleased with you. And then immediately he's given ways to go and please his dad. Like his dad has just said, I'm pleased with you. And then has led him into difficult situations where Jesus has an opportunity to choose obedience and choose mm. to live up to his potential. Mm. Um, and in so doing, he's forever going, like, I'll do this because it pleases my dad. I'll do that because it pleases my dad. And I think we sometimes flick between the two. And I suspect in South Africa, we tend to do the expectations thing quite well on our boys mm. for some reason. <laughs> we're mm. like, okay, we're going to, you know. Yeah. Um, and, the, and maybe there's, we've still got some hangovers where in South Africa we're, we're more encouraging and nurturing of girls. And I think both boys and girls need both just as much. Like yeah. absolute affirmation and unconditional love and absolute, here's something to shoot for. Here's a, mm. a better version of yourself that I'm expecting you to turn into. Yeah. Um, last word then from each of you as we wrap this up. Um, so before we move on to the last word, uh, just in the expectations, because the question was posed is what do they need? And I think they need that. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I found that the more I've let my kids know what is expected, that, like, there's something that rises within them. Like, it's like, a, they're like, because the implicit thing is, I believe you can do that. Mm-hmm. So by putting that expectation in front of them, they go, oh, so yeah. you think I can be that person? I think when we don't make that clear enough, I think we, we rob them of that, that very tangible uh, communication and belief in them. Mm. Sorry, back to you. No, that's good. <laughs> no need to rush. Are there more reactions out of that? Uh, no. Okay, so if you had to say something to the the ten or however many moms are going to listen to this, um, let's go for twelve. Probably. Yeah, twelve. That's a good number. Hundred. Um, <laughs> what would you What would you leave them with? What is the the thing that you think is most potent for them to hear? Um, and if in some way you could sort of effortlessly segue that into, oh, and you should really come to the parenting course on the trees of Vita Host, mm. that would be great. But don't, be, <laughs> don't mm. feel forced. Mm. Um, I would just encourage moms, because I think mom guilt is a huge ravaging force, mm. um, that there's no such thing as failure, really. There's success and there's learning. Um, and if you can just embrace that way of parenting, uh, it's healthier for everybody. Um, but also, just what we're going for in terms of parenting is if you can just build a framework, like a scaffolding, that just helps your, helps your child build their own world, builds their own life, but has the, the support and the structure and the safety of that, um, you would have done well. Mm. Um, yeah, don't build for them. Let them learn, let them make their mistakes. Mm. Yeah. But don't be absent either. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And um, there's a, a whole range of different versions of them that must all mm. be valid. Like, it's mm. all okay. Um, Absolutely. Because certainly in this neighborhood, it feels like there's certain versions of who you could turn out to be that are acceptable. Yeah. And so I'll do good parenting towards you choosing to take core maths and you choosing to whatever. Um, but then there are other versions of mm. what you could turn into that are just not acceptable. And that's the the challenge to, to try not to control too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you going <clears> to <throat> grab dads by the lapels and, <laughs> and shout at them? Um, not that we shout in this home. <laughs> I actually, I, I'm actually four shouts at mm-hmm. times, just to be clear. Um, I people, think you're four kids hitting kids sometimes as well, <laughs> no? 
I've heard you say that. Are consensual. <laughs> <laughs> like as long as both people know the rule. Like if one of them doesn't want to be hit, then. But like, I mean, I grew up in a home with brothers. Like, yeah. if you removed hitting, I don't know how we would re- resolve anything. <laughs> like that's a necessary part of of life. So, so I'm all for that. Like people are like, oh, we don't shout at our kids, and I just want to go like, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the shouting has its place. Discipline has its place. Sometimes Sometimes, I mean, my kids are still small, so I can still use command at appropriate times. And sometimes say to them, I'm smarter than you, literally, I have to say that to them. Um, <laughs> Long way that last. Like, yeah, exactly, while it still lasts. Um, so, but, I mean, I guess the first thing with dads is to just, like, encourage dads to really throw themselves into fathering. Like, mm. it's... It's this unbelievably important, awesome thing that we get to do. Um, and there, there are so many things demanding our time and our effort. Um, and often as dads, we, we can reduce our role as fathers to providing. Mm. Um, and and I've, like, I've learned and I'm still learning and have mm. to keep reminding myself that my children want me way more than they want anything that I can give them. And so, like, pitch up, be available, find ways to do that. And that is, for most of us, that is a hard task. Like, I get that. Like, I'm learning still at 33 years old how to deal with my emotions and Mm. how to handle those and still be available and present and deal with stress. Like, I'm not, I don't think this is simple, like, just show up and be a dad. Like, I think the demands of being a dad are, are big but I really encourage dads to do that and then in the way you do that take your cues from the father like, mm-hmm. it's sort of cliche but there are so many things telling us what kind of dad we should be mm-hmm. from TV adverts to whatever there's just a hundred things a day saying be this kind of dad and if you were a good dad you'd do this mm-hmm. and like, I just trust as hard as I can to keep looking at my dad and go, like my heavenly father and go Okay, he deals with me in that way. Mm. Okay, I can deal with my kids in that way. He he's mm. gentle, but he's firm. He mm. he loves me, but he has it. Like just those mm. those things over and over. Um, that's going to be, and that's a journey. So there's no answer. Mm. It's a journey of knowing the father and knowing yourself, and then out of that place engaging with your kids. Yeah. That's really good. I would love to to be able to simultaneously take pressure off parents immediately and just go like, you are guaranteed to get this wrong a lot. So let's yeah. just start from that point. But then at the same time, sort of ennoble or dignify the the art of parenting. Uh, I think especially for guys, but it's it's not just guys. Um, we cop out into components of the role of parenting. Well, I'll just make a great home. I'll just keep them safe. I'll just yeah. provide and. And give them certain things when they want you. Um, yeah. And so you're going to have to do some quite hard work on you. You're going to have to make you a good thing to give. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the huge realization. Hey, yeah. In parenting, it's like, oh, crumbs, if what you want is me, then that's actually the thing I'm least confident to give you right now. So let me rather give you stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, and, yeah, and then to recognize, well, if this is going to be the art that I'm going to pursue and try and get good at, then this requires some coaching and some support and some mm. connecting with other parents and, mm. and taking this really seriously and carving out time deliberately to do it well mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like we just sort of assume it'll happen as naturally as producing the, the baby <laughs> happened and it's like no, this is going to take some effort and some work uh, and, and to dignify it and go well this is a glorious thing to get really good at hence the course that we want everyone to come to yeah. um, and details to follow
Yeah. Well, thank you for the chat. And any last words? Any last um, snap judgments to make? <laughs> we need more coffee. <laughs> um, to avoid s- sitting in the toilet alone with a glass of wine while the kids bash on the toilet. <laughs> Not that anyone around this table. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks.